Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full time in our life. We ask that you please allow us to receive and retain your word, Lord God. Let us apply what we need to apply in our life. But most importantly, God, please allow our hearts to be softened and melted for you, God. Allow us to accept your plan, will, and purpose, God. Allow us to be happy and joyful and, and just be content with the things that you, you're giving us, God. Let us see things through your eyes and not our own and, and to hear through your ears and not our own, God. Keep us 30,000 steps ahead of every situation and circumstance, making sure that the Holy Spirit quicken us so that we can be obedient to the Holy Spirit, making sure that no man shall deceive us because we have the mind of Christ and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So, God, we thank you right now that you have given us the ability to interpret your word, to have revelation in your word, and also to be obedient to you, God. Just allow us to be able to allow us to be able to follow in each path that you have for us, including allowing us to be able to walk in righteousness and, and, and allow our hearts to be, you know, similar to yours. God, you say in your word that we should be like you, that we should be perfect, like like God in heaven. So, God, we ask that you allow us to have maturity in our walk with you and maturity in our understanding of you and maturity in our for in in us being able to fulfill the plan, will and purpose that you have for us, God. So, we just thank you right now in advance for everything that you've done, everything that you're going to do, even the things that we don't even know that you have done on our behalf god we appreciate you we thank you lord we give you glory praise and honor and we thank you we we just thank you in advance god and and so we just please god we we ask that you just continue to tune your ears to hear our voice lord god we ask that you just continue to allow us our hearts to be attached to you god we want our hearts to be like yours god we want our thoughts to be like yours god we want our minds to be like yours let us have your perspective let us maintain your perspective your perception your conception and every single thing that we do in life god allow us to see things from your perspective, not our own. We don't want to lean on our own understanding, God. You said in your word for us to not lean on our own understanding. So you don't want us to lean on our own understanding, God. So allow us the ability to always depend on you, God, because you are trustworthy. Your word says that you are trustworthy. So we put our trust in you. We put our hope in you, God. And so we ask that you intervene for us, God, intervene for children, uh, specifically the cho your children that are lost, but they are destined for your holy nation, God. We ask that you intervene and, and provide miracles in their life, Lord, so that they can be able to see your plan your will and your purpose god do not let them be deceived god you say in your word that you know fools for your people die because of a lack of knowledge god and so we see that fools die because of a lack of knowledge a fool so god do not allow any of your children any of us to be fools in any way god any area that you see us being foolish god reverse it god because you have given us all of the spiritual tools that we need to be victorious and and you've given 
us all of the applications for us to be overcomers. And so, God, let us be victorious. Let us walk with with an overcoming attitude where we're overcoming the things of this world and every situation and circumstance, Lord. And so we thank you, God. We thank you so much that you just allow us to fulfill your plan. And, and so, God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us access to you. We ask right now, God, that you just please quicken, quicken your Holy Spirit in us. And I thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. And I ask that you um, allow me to uh, speak your word today and minister grace to the hearer. Let me provide hope through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, and, and, and provide people with hope and um, so that they can get out of despair and hopelessness and and stress and frustration, Lord. Um, and so, God, we just ask that you uproot the things in our heart. And, and first, God, we take our thoughts into captivity for any and everything that would exalt itself above your knowledge, oh God. And we make our thoughts obedient to Christ in Jesus' name. And so, God, we lay all of the burdens and concerns and obstacles that we have in our life and we lay them at your throne of grace and we ask that you handle them appropriately, God. We ask that you orchestrate what needs to be orchestrated in our life so that you can put pivot and maneuver us exactly where we need to be. God, we thank you for traveling mercies each and every each and every place that we go. And, and we just pray that you just continue to open up new doors in our life that no man can close and close doors that no man can open. And um, I just want to thank the Holy Spirit for just being in, inside of us and leading us and help guide us. And, and I thank you for your blood. I plead the blood of Jesus over our steps, over our minds, over our interpretations, our perspective, our confidence, including our attachments. And God, I just pray that we attach ourselves to you in every situation. We attach ourselves to the Holy Spirit, including our confidence, our motivation in Jesus name. And so, God, I thank you right now that you allow your will to be done in our life. Not our will or anyone else's, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your blood and it is sealed in your atonement blood in Jesus name. Amen. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it so much. Um. So I'm still on women's health. I thought that I was going to be finished with women's health, but it seems like every single week I have some more stuff to add to women's health. And I did skip over a couple sections, right? So what I wanted to talk about today was uh, Sarai, which is Sarah, Abraham's wife. So I did kind of skip over her section and I really didn't mean to do that. So um, I am going to be discussing Sarai today. Now, a few housekeeping rules, okay? If you're joining me via a Zoom webinar, please go ahead and put your questions in the Q&A, um, or you can either raise your hand if, if I do not see it, your question, and I'll be sure to respond to you there. Now, also, if you're joining me via any of the audio apps, like Apple, Samsung, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, Spotify, any of those, right? Just go ahead and put your um your comments in the comment section. I'll be able to see them there. And then I can respond to you there. Okay. Um if you wanted to get a prayer request, please go ahead and send your request to Laws Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. 
also if you are needing to um complete like mandatory uh mandatory community service go ahead and send me an email right um because this is a non-profit organization and you could you could complete your community service with me um with this organization sudden changes corporation um and so send that email along with if you are interested in um becoming an intern and completing your internship send that email too including if you wanted to just volunteer i do need volunteers and so um you can send that email to info at suddenchangescorporation.org also um recently someone um they were requesting and suggesting some topics right so I posted a few, um, well, I posted a topic and, um, if you all would like to suggest any topics to me, please go ahead and send your request to, um, Deanna Watson at suddenchangescorporation.org. That's D-E-A-N-N-A Watson at suddenchangescorporation.org. All right. So let me go ahead and share my screen and then I'm going to get into the word today. Okay. All right, there we go. So, let's see here. I've been trying to update this blog for the longest too. Um some reason it doesn't want to let me. Okay, so here we go. So the name Sarah right is strong's number eight two eight three let me um pull this up i don't know why i did not have the link up there okay so the um strong's number a two a three um it means uh it is pronounced sarah sarah or sarah um and it means abraham's wife that's what it means okay that's what it means in hebrew okay it means abraham's wife so Sarah is the mother to all of God's children that have faith in the Lord and do good. All right. So let's go to first Peter three and six, and then we're going to go to Genesis 17 and six. All right. So we see in Genesis chapter 17, verse 16, it says, I will bless her. And will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. See that? So it says kings of peoples will come from her. This is the NIV version. Let's look at the King James version. And it says, and I will bless her. And give thee a son also of her. Yeah, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. 
So let's look at this in the uh, Strong's Concordance. So let me explain the Strong's Concordance um, really briefly, okay? And I know I do this every time, but I would like to do it again for the new people that are joining me, okay? Um, so we see that we were just looking at Genesis chapter 17, verse 16. And so the strong concordance is basically the translation, the English translation of the Holy Bible. So the Bible is comprised of two different testaments. You have the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew. You have the New Testament, which is written in uh, Greek. And so both of those translations put together creates the entire Holy Bible. The Holy Bible is considered is called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay. And so when we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament, once again, is in Hebrew scrolls. The first five books of the Bible is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And so those first five books is actually considered the Torah. The Torah is basically God's law. It's considered the law. Okay, this is the law that God created. We see in Exodus chapter 20 that the, the Ten Commandments is implemented. But the entire first five books of the Bible is considered the Torah. Okay, and so when we look at the Old Testament, we, I'm sorry, the New Testament, we look at the first four books. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That is considered the Gospels. Okay, so... The Gospels, it, it talks about the life of Jesus and and his uh, time here on earth. So Jesus began his ministry when he was 30 years old, right? And so we understand the life of Jesus by looking at the Gospels. And also we look at the Old Testament. It, it, it's a lot of predictions about Jesus, right? Um, so we see that Jesus, we can read about his life. And so if you are, um, if you are interested in, and understanding God, you should start with Exodus chapter 20, which is the Ten Commandments. You'll understand part of the things that God um, had required of many people. And then you should go to the Gospels and then go back to the law. Go back and forth from the Old and the New Testament. But when we look at the Gospels, we see the life of Jesus. And we see, in, I, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 4. Um, where it talks about Jesus just being just as low as the angels. Let's see. Um, I just want to confirm that this is the, the right chapter that I'm talking about. Um, no, that, that I'm sorry. That was Jesus being tempted. So what we see is that that Jesus was 100% God and he was also 100% man. All right. So um, when we, we look here, uh, we can find this in Hebrews chapter two and verse nine. It said, you may, let's look, let's look here at the King James version though. I'm going to look at King James. Okay, so the King James says, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowned him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Okay, so we see that um, we see that that Jesus was crowned just a little lower than the angels, right? 
And so he was 100% man and, and Jesus was 100% God. And so he, the number one thing that he didn't do was he did not use his godly power to defend himself ever. Not at all. Like he never defended himself with any of his godly power, no matter how much he was tempted. And when he died on the cross, what he actually did was he died on the cross with the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, we see in in First Corinthians eleven and three that um, the head of Christ is God. So although the Bible doesn't mention the Trinity, it does mention the whole, the Father, the Word, which is the Son, and it also has the, so it has the Father, the Word, which is the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's the that's considered the Holy Trinity. That is what we reference, right? So the Word is in lo the hebrew word for the word for word is logos and so that means the christ christ right so we're talking about jesus christ when we see that and so that is in john 1 in chapter 1 chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god and so we see that jesus is the son of God. And we also see, guess what? He is a part of the Holy Trinity. But we also see that there are three persons within the, the within the Holy Trinity. You have the Father, which is God. You have the Son, which is the Word, and the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified on the cross. Um, many, many of the Pharisees were saying, like, okay, well, didn't he said that he would he he said that he would build um the church up you know but they he wasn't really talking about a physical church he was talking about him him being the body okay so jesus christ is the head of the church the body we are the body of christ so the people that believe in god we believers we are the body of christ we are attached members to the body jesus christ is the head of the body the head of the church and so what we have to look at is when he was crucified on the cross he resurrected that means that he he was rebuilt he resurrected he he took the keys of death from satan right because prior to his death you know there were no type of salvation because the law didn't the law couldn't provide people with salvation because the law could only provide people with works and so i was talking to one of my friends basically yesterday and um i want to provide this example it's a brief example and we were talking about god and how jesus christ when he died for us we have to understand that when he died on the cross he took upon all of the burdens so what what happens is is that the flesh cannot build a relationship with god our flesh is condemned okay so the way for salvation jesus christ died on the cross in order to justify our reason to be saved so he died for us so when he when he was bruised and he was beaten it was because of our sins that we were justified to receive those 
beatings and stuff. Okay, we we would have been justified to receive bad treatment because of our disobedience. So our disobedience disconnected our relationship with God. So the flesh disconnects your relationship with God. So flesh always, your flesh will always want to satisfy its desires. The flesh will always want to fulfill its desires. So the fulfillment of your desires disconnects you from God. So a lot of people, they don't seem to understand that one particular perspective. Your fleshly desires disconnect you from God. And so I, it would have been nice if that person was here. Let, let me send, I'll send a request to see if maybe he can come on. Um, I'm going to let him know to join me. And so we can talk about what we were talking about yesterday. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I sent the message. I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll get the message. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, God, I just pray that he can get the message and he will join us. So um, going back to the topic, right? So some people, they believe that since God created every single thing, God created us, but he did not create our choices. Okay, that's the problem with people are confused. Don't misinterpret anything about God. God does not create your choices. You are in control of your choices. You have power over your choices. So that's the thing. God created you. That means that Yes, he wants you to be humble. Yes, he wants you to be like him. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he wants you to choose him. Yes, he wants you to love him. Yes, he wants you to walk in righteousness. But, and I know a lot of people don't like that but part. It's like, wait, why are you interjecting with a but? So, yes, God wants you to have all of these things. But... You are in control of your choices. You are in control of your choices. You have free will. And so like, that's the thing. Some people just feel like, well, God knew your choices. You still have the power to change. You still have the power to do what you need to do. See, some people, they do, they will change. And yes, God is God. God knows. But he's still giving you the opportunity, which means that by him manifesting himself, hold on, I have the message. Okay, he just says another time. I guess he's uh, probably busy or doing something. Um. Okay, so God, yes, he does know your choices. But that doesn't mean he's going to 
force you to choose righteousness. He's not going to force you to do anything. So like some people say, well, God, this was another question that someone said. Okay. They said, well, God created the devil. So didn't he know how the devil would be? First of all, if, if, if you're reading the word, you understand that the devil wanted to overpower God. So the devil wanted to overpower God. He wanted to be like God, like overthrow God, alpha his throne. He had a choice. The rest of the angels had a choice to listen to God and, and not do that or be kicked out of heaven. So God actually... Although he created you, he didn't create you like how AI is being created. You know, so let me explain how AI is being created. So AI is created based off of how we teach AI. So AI, imagine a software system that needs to be fed information in order for it to adopt certain values or understand certain principles for instance when you type in something just say you type in trees are trees provide oxygen just say you type that into your search engine trees provide oxygen what that does it teaches the ai in your phone that the trees will provide oxygen so all of the articles that will pull up now, this new AI that's been downloaded into your software is now going to know everything about trees that has been provided oxygen. So it didn't have like an external person teaching this AI device. It was actually you typing in the word trees provide oxygen. And so now your new AI on your device now, guess what? Adopt what trees are it knows all of the information for trees so prior to you typing it in it didn't have any of that information although your phone is your phone but until you train your ai device it isn't going to know what to do or what to search for so when you train it it's a certain algorithm that the ai device is picking up based off of your search activity the things that you type the information that you teach ai basically it, it, it analyzes everything in your phone and once it learns the things that you know based off of your search preferences it builds an algorithm based off of that and that is how ai is being trained based off of the things that you search your activity and those different type of things. So AI requires teaching. You have to teach AI in order for AI to be sufficient. Right now, AI is currently inefficient, ineffective. It is constantly having misrepresentations about um, the way that it should work and it's having malfunctions. And so there's a lot of discrepancies with that. Mm -hmm. 
But a lot of people, they are just still continuing to learn how to teach AI. So the more you teach AI, um, according to the worldly um, secular beliefs, you know, the world will be able to know how to train AI more efficient. All right. So now the way when we think about God, God does not force you to do anything. For instance, if you are working on Microsoft Word on your computer, there is an AI software program that's automatically a part of the user agreement. And now I didn't know that until recently. So like every single day when I'm using a Word document on my computer, I have to manually go in into my task manager and press control alt delete and remove the AI that's constantly downloading itself from me using Microsoft Word. I don't need any suggestions for my typing or anything that I'm doing in Microsoft Word. I just need word correction. Make sure I have everything formatted right. That's all I've been using since I ever used Word. And so I don't like AI violating my space, um, but it does, right? And so that's kind of like a forced way to evolve this technological system of AI. It's a forced way to provide evolution to technology. So it's basically um, a part of the user agreements that many people are downloading these different programs and now you don't even know that they have ai attached to the user agreement that is by force when we think of god god doesn't force you to do anything he does not force you to love him he does not force you to listen to him he doesn't force you to be obedient what he does is he influences you in a way where you will voluntarily love him and that you will voluntarily appreciate what he's done because the flesh was contaminated by Eve and her desires. So the flesh is now under a curse, right? And so we have to understand that childbearing is a reminder of, of the woman being cursed in a way where, look, your flesh, remember your flesh. It isn't like saying that childbearing is a curse to have, have children. What God is saying is, look, your flesh is what caused you to have separation from God. So remember your flesh when you're making decisions. Remember your flesh when you're doing certain things. Because your flesh will always want to satisfy and fulfill its desires. And so it's equivalently important to make sure that you understand fully, fully understand that when you choose God, you deny your desires. You can't choose your desires and choose God. Your flesh has to be spiritually severed in your relationship with God. So what that means is that your flesh is something that your body, your soul, because your body is a living soul, your body is a living spirit. And so God clothed us with skin. 
So your skin is, is just an actual, it's clothed. God, that's how God clothed us with the skin. But our inside of us, we have a soul, we have a spirit. So your spirit is something that will need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order for you to be able to overcome. See, because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. So when the, the by the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, you overcome your flesh. That means that when your flesh says, I want, I want, I want to fulfill. I want to fulfill this desire. I want to fulfill this. So if you're hungry, you're going to eat. If you're thirsty, you're going to drink. If you're sleepy, you're going to sleep. That's what fulfilling your desires are. Your flesh will always want to fulfill itself. But when you give God the authority in your life, then you give the authority to the Holy Spirit, meaning that, okay, so this is something that like, I'm so attached. I am so attached to this, this job. And I have, I know that God wants me to, you know, really sever my ties with this organization. But instead, you continue to stay at that organization. And God, once you pray, God is like, look, go somewhere else. The morale has been contaminated. You know, God does everything for a reason. And many people, we, we just have to be able to hear the voice of the Lord and allow God to lead us. Read your Bible. Understand the trajectory of where God is leading you, the direction that he wants you to walk in. In order for us to make sure that we are doing the things and, and we're making our bodies under the subjection. See, once you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you are now able to dominate your flesh. So your desires don't control you. You control it. So it's like, okay, yes, I'm hungry, but I'm going to eat in, in an hour instead of right now. I am doing this. I'm, I'm trying to finish up this report or I'm trying to finish up this assignment. I'm trying to finish up this PowerPoint. I am doing this is more important than just hurrying up to just hurry and eat right now. Your body is saying like, look, look, feed me now. But when you're when you dominate the flesh, it's like, no, I'm going to eat in an hour. Not right now. You're not saying these things to yourself. You just like, OK, I'm going to do this in a, in a minute. That's taking domination. You're dominating your flesh. Instead of saying, OK, you know, like I really do like him a lot and I think I'm going to have sex with him. I mean, we're talking for a whole year. I'm going to have sex, right? So you thinking that this sex is something that you want to have because your flesh is telling you that. Your desire is saying, I want to be fulfilled and satisfied sexually. 
But when you dominate your flesh, it's like, well, wait a minute. I have a plan that I've made a commitment and I've dedicated myself to the Lord. So I choose not to fornicate because God said for me to glorify him with my body. So I will not be fornicating and having sex before I am married. So if you don't respect that, then you have a problem with my dedication. That means that you're not the person for me. So it's like, are you dominating? You're dominating your flesh by making sure you stay dedicated to your purpose, to the purpose that God has instilled in you. So I don't fornicate because I don't want to disappoint God. And so by me not wanting to disappoint God, I'm going to make sure that I stay away from the person that I was even thinking about fornicating with or the person that I have fornicated with. I'm going to stay away from that person. Because, see, it's about really my dedication to God and my commitment that I made to the Lord. It isn't about satisfying the desires of the flesh. That's dominating the flesh. And the only way that we do that, we do not do that within our own power. You have to feel, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. You overcome by the blood of the lamb. So going back to Jesus and when he was crucified, he resurrected and he was on earth for 40 days. And during the 40 days, after he ministered to a lot of people, including Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas wanted to touch the, the nails in his arm, in his hand. He wanted to feel the nails. Some people say that that he was nailed on with his hands or by on his wrist, right? Um, but doubting Thomas wanted to touch and see that it, that it was real. Okay, so they, you know, is this really Jesus? So Jesus was here on earth for forty days and forty nights, including the religious Pharisees wanted to actually pay some disciples. They wanted to pay. Let's let's just look at this scripture here. Um, religious Pharisees. They um they wanted to pay. Hold up. I don't know why that come on. Pharisees wanted to pay um to um silence people about Jesus resurrection. So we go to uh, Matthew 23. Oh, wait, wait. No, it's not that one. Hold on a second. Uh, I guess I, I have to look that scripture up, but... um trying to see it talks about okay hold on one second
trying to look at this one. I don't think that this one is it though. Um, hold on one second. I'm going to pull this up in a minute. Okay, so here you go. Matthew 28. It's in Matthew 28. See, I just, I, I, you know, I know the Bible. It's that sometimes I just need to remember exact location where stuff is at. Okay, so we have here. Um, so. Basically, in Matthew 28, it talks about Jesus being in the tomb and how he had risen. And so, in Matthew 28, verse 11, it says, While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. So, when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Okay, so this is this is something that is even more that's ruthless. They see that Jesus resurrected and they still want to spread lies. So th that's the point. Even the religious Pharisees, Jesus did not like force them to do anything. This is the point. He never, ever forced anybody to do anything. God did not force us to choose him. So in order to understand who God is, you want to understand who Jesus was while he was here on earth. So I would say after you look at the commandments, you want to read about the life of Jesus. Once you understand the life of Jesus and start reading, it's going to put you in the in a perspective where you can understand what's going on in this world and how God allows free will. But the problem is with free will is that your flesh disconnects you from God. So in order for you to be an overcomer in this world, you need to have the Holy Spirit in order to overcome. So the, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. So when Jesus was crucified at the cross, he said, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because, see, Jesus was at that cross 
with the Holy Spirit. So God the Father, He didn't, He didn't, He did not use any of His godly power to defend Himself. So don't ever forget that. So God wasn't present at that moment, and but God was there. The Holy Spirit and Jesus. Jesus Christ is 100% flesh on the cross, not using any of his godly power. So when, when Jesus was here and he used his godly power, that's when he healed the sick and raised the dead. So when he healed the sick, that was God, the father, the word, which is the son and, and the Holy Spirit, the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. So that was God acting within the Holy Trinity when he healed the sick and raised the dead. So he took our burdens at the cross in his fleshly body. And he had the Holy Spirit. So he's showing us that we overcome this world through him and through the Holy Spirit. And so we go through Jesus Christ to get to the Father, which is God. So I hope that was a, a good explanation for everyone. Um, and I, I want to kind of shift topics back on to Sarai. Okay, so... Um, basically now we're going to look at the strong concordance and I went over everything about the concordance. So going back to Genesis chapter 17 and verse 16, it says, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So we see here, going to the strong concordance, which basically is going to give us the Hebrew translation of this. So we, I typed in the word nations. And it's going to pull up every single Bible verse that has the word nation in it, nations in it. So when you type in the word um, perfect, for instance, it comes up there are 94 different Bible verses for the word perfect. But there are 23 different definitions of the word perfect. So the word nations, there are 321 Bible verses. And there are 10 different meanings for the word nations. So when you look at the King James Bible, that is the Bible that closely, closely resonates with Strong's Concordance. Okay, it closely translates the, the, the Hebrew scrolls and the Greek. All right. And so we see it pulls it up right here on pay on the first page. Genesis chapter 17, verse 16. It pull up every single Bible verse that is mentioned. The strong concordance. And so we see here that the word nations is Strong's number 1471, which which is pronounced GUI. It is apparently from the same root, um, which is a uh, root word, uh, 1465. Um, it means a foreign nation. 
a foreign nation. You see that? Hence, a Gentile. Also figuratively, a troop of animals or a flight of locusts, Gentile, heathen, nation, people. All right, so you see, with Eve, all right, Eve, Eve, yes, she was, uh, she was, let's go back, let's go back here. So Eve, we see that her name, and I'm going to go back briefly and just touch on Eve. So Eve, because I already went over Eve, the Hebrew name for Eve is pronounced Kabal, and it, it is, um, and it means life giver. She's the first woman. It means life giver and first woman. But when we look at Sarah, see, God's chosen people was really the Jews, right? But we see the word Sarah, I mean, sorry, we see the word nations. According to this scripture, Genesis 17 and 16, the word nations in Hebrew is Strong's number 1471, which means foreign nation, hence a Gentile. So Gentiles during this time, let me just explain this briefly. Hopefully, I don't know if this briefly or not. I'm just trying to go with it. Because see, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit starts working in me, I just, I love it because everything flow right, okay? So um, we see in Genesis 17, I'm sorry, Genesis 17, verse 16, it says, And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yeah, I will bless her and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Nations. We're talking about the excluded people. So when we look at the word nations, it means what in, in Hebrew? Gooey. Gooey in this verse, which is what? A foreign nation, a Gentile. So the Gentiles are coming out of Sarah's bloodline. So all of these Jews who are, oh, we're the chosen people. Yes, yes, yes. But guess what? The Gentiles were also birthed out of Sarah. So when we see here, I want to go, I want to go to a couple scriptures here. And I know it's kind of repetitive, but the word of God is confirmation at the confirmation. God is God shows us repetition in his word. Okay. So let's look here. All right. We're going to look at, um, Let's see what we're gonna look at. Uh, look at um. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I'm gonna get this first, and then I'm also going to go to the woman. Okay, so I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 15, and I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 3. Oh, no, yeah, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. 
So this that's the direct correlation. Really not a correlation is basically is similar. It it just like it overlaps. Okay. Um. And so we see here in Galatians three and twenty eight, it says, "Look, I have to look at the verses before that." So this is um Galatians Galatians three. Twenty-six through twenty-nine. Okay. All right. So it says here. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So remember, I want to. I want to let's let, let's go back. I, I need to go back to Genesis. Um. So God clothed. Adam and Eve. Okay, so I need to go. I'm, I'm gonna go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and 21. Um, it says Genesis 3:21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So when God created Adam and Eve, he clothed them with garments of skin. The that's the NIV version. The New Living Translation says, and the Lord God made clothing for from animal skins for Adam and his wife. The King James Bible says, and to Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Okay, so we see that we have a clothing of skin. And and this skin that we have is can be everything that we put on our skin absorbs through our skin. It's like a cloth. Our skin is like a cloth, where if you put something on the skin, it's going to absorb through your blood. It's going to absorb in your body. So that's another thing, women. That that'll be like I I I believe I talked about this, or I, maybe I didn't talk about it. I forgot to talk about it. When you're um, I did. I think I did talk about some parts of hair, but I didn't go into detail. I didn't show any visuals or any videos about it. But I wanted to just reiterate that, for instance, when you're putting perms in your hair, it actually goes and absorbs through your skin. And so this, these chemicals that you're putting on your brain, because you only get one brain, you get one brain, like you get one set of eyes, you get one brain. And so you put chemicals onto your scalp, it actually absorbs through your skin. It's going to absorb through your scalp and, and you only have one brain. So it's no reason to put chemicals on top of your head there's no reason to put chemicals in your scalp there's no reason to allow chemicals to be absorbed on top of your head where your brain is located right because you know you, you don't know what can happen from that after prolonged use of uh absorbency of chemicals being absorbed through the brain and so it's so important to understand this because I'm gonna explain one one last thing. There are a lot of people that say, "Oh well, you know, everybody's gonna die someday." Okay, all right. Well, you don't have to be contributing to it, right? You want to minimize as much health risk as possible. 
right? So otherwise, people, if, if you're not minimizing health risks, then then just go be a, a you you know, you're not gonna want to be a test subject out here with um pharmaceutical companies, are you? Or do you want to be a test subject for COVID vaccines? No one wants to be a test subject for those things. So it's it's very important to understand that if you're going to be doing something as risking risking you know like side effects from using chemicals that could cause an adverse reaction later on in life because of these unknown risks associated with its use so for instance you know covid they covid vaccines they're going out here doing testing for that type of stuff right they test and they do they do clinical trials um usually before they distribute it to the masses of people but what type of what type of um what type of clinical trials are being demonstrated on people that are using prolonged chemicals on their scalp you know because your skin absorbs everything your skin absorbs everything that you put on it so um this is so important to understand that but just going back here so god clothed adam and eve with um garments of skin okay we see that the amplified bible says the lord god made tunics of animal skins for adam and his wife and clothed them so in the beginning god clothed adam and eve with this skin but we see also in galatians chapter three oh I, let me let me look at this one too uh it, this one is the legacy standard bible it says, then Yahweh, God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. The American Standard Version. And Jehovah made, and Jehovah God made for Adam and, his, and for his wife coats of skin and clothed them. You see how the different translations actually have different meanings, right? But they all are innately similar, right? Um, when we look here, so God clothed Adam and Eve with skin. And so when we look at Galatians 3 and 26, they were, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So now they are no longer just, just, just children created in the likeness of God, right? So being created in the likeness of God, you have choice, right? But now in Galatians 3, 26 and 29, we see that Jesus, Jesus is brought into the equation where it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. So now you are children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So now it's no longer you just being clothed with garments. Because understand that this is a direct correlation. This is similar, okay? But it's very different. This is two different types of clothing that we see here, all right? So and if you look at, let's look at the whole uh um genesis genesis chapter three because prior to this 
um, Genesis 3, Genesis 3, we see that Adam and Eve were disobedient to God. They were deceived. Um, well, Eve was deceived by the serpent at which she blamed the serpent for her actions. Adam was deceived by Eve at which he blamed his actions on her. So they lacked ownership and they lacked accountability. They blamed each other. When God was walking through the garden, he was looking for the man because that was the one that he created to be the head, which is, which is why it says the, the man leads his father and mother and is united into his wife and the two become one flesh. And so he was looking for Adam in the garden. He wasn't looking for them. He was looking for Adam. He said, why have you hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden? But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? This is in Genesis chapter three, verse nine. So the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He didn't call the woman. He's walking in a garden in the cool of the day, but they had hid from, they hid from the Lord. It, didn't, it doesn't say that God is looking for them. God is looking for the man. He said, where are you? The Lord called to the man, where are you? All right. And so what this means is that, well, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was a naked. So I hid. So this is what the man is saying. But I already went over this section. I just wanted to point out is that there is order here. The order was that, you know, God had, had called the man, not the woman. So when he's blaming the woman, he's now becoming a passive man. He has passivity. He's the first man to have passivity. So immediately after this, God curses the serpent. God curses the man. God also curses the woman. But immediately after all of this, Adam had named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And so this right after this verse, we see in verse 21 that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. So right after all of this disobedience, they were covered up and, and clothed. So this what they were covered up, it says in verse 22, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. Knowing good and evil. So this clothing that they received. Right after they received this clothing. Of skin. They knew good and evil. So you have this, this clothing that they're clothed with. That is skin. That is. All it knows. Is good. And evil. Now, now, let me know now. You think, if you think that what I'm saying here, you'll like to add to this or contribute to this conversation, let me know, okay? Because this is the revelation that the Lord has given me, all right? And so, this skin that they were clothed with gave them the ability to have good, to know good and evil. That's what they was clothed with. They was clothed with skin, but they spirit contain the knowledge of good and evil.
So the clothing, it just masks who they were on the inside. So what it means is that what's on the inside of you can't be hidden because what's in is going to come out. So the knowledge of your good and evil is going to come out. Your, your thoughts of good and evil is going to come out of you. Your actions that you really feel on the inside of good or evil is going to come out of you. So we see that this, yeah, they were clothed, but they were covered up and they were filled with good and evil. So understand when, when, see, I think that when people put the word knowledge in front of good and evil, it's like, it, it, it doesn't sever. The idea or it doesn't it doesn't conjure the 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 ideology of them understanding that they are filled with both good and evil. That's what the knowledge of good and evil is. They are filled with both attributes. They are filled with good. They are filled with evil. And so we see that some people say, well, well, why did God put the tree in the middle of the garden? What do you mean? The same reason why, you know, God is giving you the choice that you have. God put two trees in the garden of Eden. There were two trees in the garden of Eden. The tree of life which would have gave them eternal life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what this tells you is that the spirit of flesh that's clothed in skin, the spirit of, of man isn't going to automatically want to choose eternal life. They chose good and evil. So they filled with this good and evil. The skin just covered it up. That's how it just covered their mask. Their true identity. The true identity is what's inside of you. So confusion. Is that good or evil? See, you gotta, you have to start looking at things in a way where you're perceiving it the way God perceives it, and not the way you perceive it. See, because confusion—if you just look at, just pay attention, because people die because of a lack of knowledge. A fool is someone with a lack of knowledge, a lack of common sense. So although all of these things are really spiritual common sense, there are so many people that overlook these things because they are dominated by what? By what's on the inside of them, by what they've given authority to. Their spirit is dominating their flesh. 
the spirit. They are being controlled by the flesh instead of the Holy Spirit. They don't invite the Holy Spirit. They just have a spirit of confusion that they invited in. So the spirit of confusion is leading them and saying, well, I don't know. Well, I don't like this. I'm not sure. I just don't know. That's the spirit. It's a spirit of confusion. God is not a God of confusion. So that wouldn't come from God. So you have to ask yourself, okay, am I authorizing God in my life? In what ways are you giving God authorization in your life? So we see that this, this skin that they clothe with is filled, is masked with a spirit, with spirits of good and evil inside of them. But when we go to Galatians 3 and 26, we see that once you are baptized with Christ into Christ, you're clothed with Christ. So now this is a new type of clothing. This is a clothing of Christ. A clothing of the blood. A clothing of Jesus Christ. A clothing of faith. So we see, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So your faith in God, Jesus Christ, once you're baptized into Christ, you are now clothed with Christ. So you're no longer clothed with this knowledge of good and evil. Yes, you, you have the, that ability, but you're not giving in to that ability. You're not filled with good and evil. You're not filled with good and evil. Because that skin in, in Genesis in, in Genesis 3, that in verse 28, 3 and 28, I believe that's 3 and yeah, 3 and uh 21. Genesis 3 and 21, that skin is feel what? The knowledge of good and evil. It's like if you had a, a chili, a stuffed uh stuffed turkey. The outside of the turkey is skin, right? And bone and all of that fat and meat. But on the inside, they're going to put what in a dressing and stuff in there, right? It's stuffed. So you see that skin is filled on the inside with good and evil. But when we look at the clothing of Jesus, now we're clothed with Christ. And so we see going back, right? When we go back to Genesis 17 and 16, how Sarah, it says, and, and God will give her a son and bless her. And she will be the mother of nations, basically of nations of what? Uh, four nations of Gentiles. So when we're looking at Galatians 3 and 26. Now you're clothed, you're, you, you are children of God through faith. You've been clothed with Christ. And this is, there is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave or free. No, there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ. See, that's the problem is, is that the, the devil 
tried to provide confusion through the, the fill, fill people up with confusion. So they won't know what God is saying in his word. But God clearly is saying here, look, you no longer clothed and filled with just good and bad. Now you're children of God and you clothed with Christ and you're saved through faith. And guess what? It don't matter if you Jew or Gentile, you slave or free, if you a male or female, it don't matter about none of that. Because see, the Gentiles was created through Sarah. When we see in Genesis 17 and 16, the word nations, that God said that she shall be a mother of nations, which is the Hebrew word for Gui, Strong's number 1471, which means a foreign nation, hence a Gentile. So she birthed the ability for Gentiles to be a part of the kingdom of God. So that this, this was another way to atone. See the the the, the Jews thinking that the uh them Jews, them Jews. See, I know I'm always talking about the Jews. I always talk about the Jews because there is a real serious problem. We see in Revelation 3 and 9 where it talks about the Jews um claiming to be Jews, but they really are from the synagogue of Satan. The word synagogue is nothing but assembly, a church like a gathering. So they're really from the churches of Satan. But we, when we really look, and, and it's so interesting because if, when you are a Jew and you believe in God, the father of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will know what the Hebrew translations are. And to prevent people from learning this is, is downright evil. That isn't on a stand on the path of righteousness, clearly. The problem is, is that we see that we see that um in Genesis 17 and 16 is that they know this word. And they all know that Gentiles were now able to become part of the kingdom of God through Sarah. So it doesn't matter about if you are a Jew or a Gentile. You are a part of the one body of Christ, okay? When you have received your faith, faith gives you grace and salvation. And now you've been clothed with Christ. And now when we look at Matthew chapter 15, I want to talk about the Canaanite woman. It says, leaving that place, uh, Matthew 15 and verse uh, 21, it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. 
Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So her request was granted because of her faith. She believed in Jesus before he died on the cross. So how many descendants do you think came from the Canaanite woman? If, if God healed her child at that moment, what did that do to her blind? So, like, I don't I don't read into the word, right? Because that would be eisegesis. So, eisegesis is validating your own opinion word. And that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to get you to reflect and simply understand that God has blessed the bloodlines through Sarah. So the problem is, is that the religious Pharisees, they were so busy, right? They were so busy trying to, you know, pay off soldiers. In Matthew 28, verse 11 through 14, verse 11 through 15. They so busy trying to pay off soldiers about the resurrection of Christ that they, they didn't realize that see Sarah bloodline allowed for Jews, Gentiles, slave or free to be birthed into the kingdom of God. So Eve, Eve was clothed with the knowledge of good and evil. But, but when we receive faith through Christ, we are clothed with what? The, with Christ. We have been baptized. Once you're baptized, you're clothed with Christ. Your body is now, it's like um, when you think of a butterfly, right? So a caterpillar turns into a butterfly and they cause it, the scientific method will say, hey, you know, the uh, uh, this, is, um, this is metamorphosis. The transition, the transformation from a caterpillar into a butterfly. It's called metamorphosis, the scientific method will say. But God will say something like, look, you're, you're no longer clothed with, with this old. Now you're clothed in the new. The old is passed away and the new has begun. So your old life don't have nothing to do with your new life when you've been clothed with Christ. So you get baptized. Now guess what? It's a spiritual clothing. Similar to gravity. You can't see gravity, but you know it's there. And, and you, that's the way you live here on this earth. Because without gravity, what would happen? So it's the same way with the, your breath that you're breathing. You can't see it, but you know you need breath, don't you? You can't see air, but you know it's there. So I, when you're looking at all of these things, it's, it, it's imperative to pay attention. 
Because guess what? Now we're we're clothed in Christ, a spiritual clothing. Clothing you can't see. And we know evolution don't exist. Because if evolution exists, it will be no reason why scientists need to force evolution. It would just happen. No need to force the evolution of of uh sea animals in the ocean no need to force evolution of plants right no need to force the evolution of animals and definitely no need to force the evolution of humans so why do we need plants to turn into you know like why do we need plants to have the ability to withstand tropical and extreme tropical conditions changing the whole dna of the plant it don't even taste the same no it's like ah no this is not right what type of chicken is this it's everybody complaining about the chicken because guess what now we got skinless chicken that was created forcibly skinless chicken did you know that chickens need their fur in order to protect them from bacteria so now we have chicken that are born featherless because of forcing them to evolve into a featherless chicken that now will be contaminated with all sorts of bacteria just because it's easier it's easier to process them it's easier to maintain featherless chicken it's easier and less time consuming so they won't have to pluck the chicken so just expose them to bacteria instead of wasting all that time plucking them. So like, if, if we're going to do the right thing, featherless chicken isn't natural selection. So if it isn't natural selection, that means you're forcing evolution on an animal for your convenience so now where's the ethics in it how can that be ethical so it didn't just stop with chickens i'm just using chickens as an analogy all right so it's so important to understand this um all of this stuff so humans we are not forcibly being evolved we i mean we are not we're not evolving so if we're going to if the world is going to evolve it's going to be forced evolution clearly that's the direction of scientists that's the direction of of um of all of the people within the some you know the support of technological changes check technological transformations right so you have these sort of forced evolutions that are taking place 
But now what we need to really think about is this. These are very important things to think about. Eve was clothed with knowledge of good and evil. When you have faith, you're baptized. Now you're clothed with Jesus Christ. So now let's look at this other verse. Um, we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm trying to figure out which one. 1 Peter 3 and 6. Okay, it says. Uh, I, I think I want to read the whole um, thing. I'm going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. It says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands, your own husbands. It didn't say somebody else's husband. It didn't say you're anybody else's husband. It say your own husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Whether it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of the great work in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her lord you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear so what this means is that conversation today well i really didn't have a conversation listening and so you have this like um the very religious and the wives are very very religious but see i want to let everybody know that religion causes confusion and see god is not a god of confusion there's a difference between understanding your position in the kingdom of god and you being manipulated by someone who isn't treating you like they treat their own bodies. So God says in the word that a husband should treat his, his wife as he treats his own body. You lovingly care for your body. You're not going to do wrong to your body. You know, are you going to manipulate your body? Are you going, going to, you know, uh, cause emotional problems to your body? So these type of things are triggers and red flags in a marriage. So a man that abuses the word of God to manipulate his wife, it's an insecure man. God isn't insecure. When we see God talk about husband and wife, we usually hear about the, the death on the cross of Jesus Christ because Jesus always reflects back always usually to the union of a husband and wife because the death of jesus christ on the cross allowed us to unite to him because at first we were separated 
So now his death on the cross, we're united with Christ through the body. We are part, we are affixed to Christ. We are like adhesive to Christ, to the body of Christ. So what happens is you have these some men out here who manipulate their, their wives and who are very religious. And what they do is they're causing fear. They're causing problems in their marriage. See, the man is the head of the house. This is why God was looking for Adam in the garden. Don't misinterpret. Don't misinform. Be misinformed. In verse 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So women, we are considered the weaker partner. Why? Because it's always about the pleasures and the desires. Women are always focused on what they can buy, how they can wastefully spend. I need to go shopping, shopping, shopping. Shoes, shoes, purses, perfume, hair, nails, feet. Wasteful spending habits. The weaker partner. Men don't think too much about that. They're logical thinkers. And there are many women who have now... When you submit yourself unto, when you when you're a single and you submit yourself to God, you are you become a logical thinker. God isn't going to allow you to sit here and 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 just be clothed in in the uh, clothing of Eve. Now you have Christ skin. You have been clothed with Christ through your baptism. So what happens is you no longer, you're not going to think like Eve because you're not an Eve. You are, you are positioned out of that through, through Sarah's bloodline. And now you're not even just blessed through Sarah, but because see Abraham was blessed because God blessed Abraham, God blessed Sarah. So that's one blessing. Then now you got Jesus Christ here who came and, and died on the cross. And now we're clothed with Christ. That's two blessings. So now you have a double portion of blessings. You are part of the seed of Sarah and including now you clothed with Christ. So it's nothing weak about you. You're not walking around here like an Eve talking about, oh, my hair, my nails, my eyebrows, my shoes, my clothes. These clothes, clothes, clothes. All these shoes, shoes, shoes. Oh, I want to go out, go out, go out, go out. That's how it sounds. You know, like you, you're not clothed that way. That's what Eve was doing. She, she was so confused that she's talking to a snake. She didn't even confide in her husband. She like, I just, I just know I want to eat from this tree. That's all she's thinking about. Clearly. So if you are a woman, women should not be focused on this. 
I don't fuck. I am a woman. Born 100% woman. I, whatever is in me that displeases God, I ask God, get it up out of me. You're not going to hit me, had no conversations about nails and feet and eyebrows. Or about no shoes and clothes. I don't have those type of conversations because I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be an Eve. God, please don't never let me be an Eve in the name of Jesus Christ. So we see that there is a significant difference in the way Sarah obeyed her husband and the way Eve obeyed her husband. So instead of, instead of Eve being obedient, she was disobedient to her husband by talking to the serpent. She disregarded her husband like he didn't mean nothing to her. You, She did something that changed their whole entire bloodline because she wanted to have the knowledge of good and evil because she said it was desirable for having wisdom. It was pleasing to her sight. So she was enticed. That's how a lot of women are. As the weaker partner, as this verse says. This verse is clearly telling us that in um, 1 Peter 3, in verse 7, that the, the wife is the weaker. No, um, this is in verse... Uh, This is in verse, um, yeah, verse seven, first Peter three, seven, that she is the weaker partner. So if we, as women, we need to know, like, look, since I seen through just in my, you know, visual imagination of just visualizing this with Eve, I don't want to be nothing like Eve. So I'm not going to do anything that is going to be driven by desires. I'm not going to do anything that's going to navigate me to being focused on my desires. So if I found myself doing that, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. God, give me the power of your Holy Spirit. So I can do what I need to do to please you. I don't want to disappoint you in this way. I don't want to be an Eve, God. Don't let me be no Eve. I don't want to be driven by a desire. So the more and more I pray this, the more and more I find myself really, really disconnected from like pleasures. <laughs> I just, I feel like basic necessities is just, it should be, that should be a, a normality. That should be normal in your life. Just basic things like, okay, we got to have food. We got to have clothes. All right. So, you know, is my, am I clean? Yes. Am I healthy? Yes. That's important. Do I want to maintain self-care? Yes, I'm going to maintain my hair and nails. I'm not going to make a big conversation about hair and nails. If my hair is not done, it's not done. I know how to do hair. So I'm not concerned about my hair. I can do my hair at 3 o'clock in the morning. 
I can do it at five in the morning. I do hair. So if you want to do something, you learn how to do it. You know, like I, I just, I feel that what God is wanting us to do is to follow like the way Sarah was. So Sarah obeyed Abraham. Eve did. She just disregarded her husband, didn't take ownership, lacked accountability, blamed her actions on a snake. Then he became, she made her husband have passivity. So now he, he's taking a position of Eve. He's no longer the head. He's taking her position. She doing the head, the, the things that he should be doing. She, but she's, I mean, like she's doing things. She's making decisions as, as in place of the head, which is him. So now he, he, she's taking on his role. It's role reverse. So now he's a passive one. She tried to put him in a woman position. While she making decisions like the man. So that's the problem there. Is that you have a lot of Eves that are contaminating the men in this world. To the point where now they don't even know they position as head. It's like they're, they're like, they're lost. It isn't about money. It isn't about anything else. It's about internal happiness. About internal peace that comes from God. It isn't about uh, external factors. So if God is saying, look, be like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear. So the fear is, you know what the fear is, women? Let me explain the fear. The fear is you giving in to a man that you think is going to really, really cause you to lose in life. So God's saying, look, submit yourselves. It says right here in verse th the first verse. Why? In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So the only reason why women are not submitting to their husbands is because of fear. You thinking he's going to fail you. I mean, he might, he might do. I know for sure. This is why I don't want to be married right now. I'm just like, no, I, I just don't, don't scare me with that. Cause I, I guess I am in some way. I am kind of like, uh, no, I don't, I'm not ready for that. That maybe it's some years from now. I don't know. I'm not getting younger, but I just, I know that. I want a leader. You have to be a you have I have want to follow you. I want to listen to what you're saying. I want to get advice from you. I don't I don't go around here getting advice from people. There are so many people that don't stand up for things that is right. Today I was in a training class and I was so intrigued by the intellect just the conversation, just the type of heart that this man had. He was the way he was talking about just helping people and then the training about helping people. It was fascinating. Just having that remorse for others, having that compassion in your heart, the genuine, authentic conversation. It's like, 
How can you not see that? Like, that's what I see when I hear a person speak. I, I can hear the passion. I can hear the authenticity. It's like, what qualities are you looking at? I look at those type of qualities, right? And so we, we need to be like really paying attention to not giving in to fear. So the, the main reason why many women choose not to submit unto a husband is because they are afraid. Because you come from a generation where your parents wasn't married. And I'm not speaking for this across for everybody. When I when I reference something, I'm not talking about everyone. That would be a foolish ideology. So I am talking about the people that this applies to. So if it does not apply to you, I am not talking about you. Specifically, there are women who choose not to have a husband. It's like, how can you be in a relationship for 10 years and not respect God? Because that is disrespectful. You're fornicating. It's okay to fornicate and not to marry. It's okay not to make a dedication and a commitment that you two can have before God. It doesn't take 10 years to know if a man wants to marry you. I don't know how many times I've been proposed to. I think I've been proposed to a, a, too many times to count. Okay? So, it, it's like for me, I just know that when it comes to marriage, he has to believe in God. I want to follow you. I want to not be led to a food pantry i don't need you leading me to a food pantry okay i don't need you leading me to a shelter i don't need you to live lead me living so with other family members okay and i don't need a man leading me to a, a job or a position where i'm just focused on money and not focused on giving i don't want a man that doesn't know the principles of giving It's not about your the fleshiness, right? I, I associate a person that's so fleshy. That is a sign of ADHD. Like why, do, why are you being so noticeable? Why do you need everybody to see you this way? Like, I mean, what? how is this gratifying? Why are you said that is... Ah, I don't know that's a turn off for me but you know some you know like so i'm just saying that we all have our preferences but our main preference needs to be you need to believe in god we need to have similar principles and values right so we see this right and so it's so important to understand that sarah Sarah is the mother to all of God's children that have faith in the Lord and do good. And we see this in 1 Peter 3 and 6 and Genesis 17 and 6. So it don't matter if you are Jew or Gentile. So next time you hear Jew say, oh no, God is here for the Jewish people. No, God is here 
for the Jewish Gentiles and anybody else who believe in God. And it happened, how? Through the bloodline of Sarah and Abraham. Because we know that the word nations in references to Genesis 17 and 16, it means foreign nation, Gentile. Basically, the people that are considered heathens, a heathen nation. Okay. And so, um, all right, I'm at the two hour mark, everybody. <laughs> I know two hours, it, it just, it really does go by so fast. Two hours is like, ah, two hours, right? The conversation sometimes gets so interesting. And I do appreciate you all, um, you know, joining me. Uh, and so... I believe a couple people had their hand raised. I apologize for not being able to respond. But um, I just want to say, I will continue this discussion tomorrow about Sarah. So it's so important to understand our roots, where we coming from, how God is transitioning us and how God is allowing us to move forward in life. So what we need to do is really just focus on what is your position in this world and the things that God wants you to do? Ask God, God, show me your plan for my life. Show me your will for my life. Show me the things that you want me to do, God, and, and put me in a position where I can do them. Allow my heart to be softened. So let me go ahead and pray because I have a couple more minutes here, okay? Father God, thank you so much for giving us your word today. We just ask that you please allow us to be able to practice your, your plan in our life. Allow us to implement your will for us, God. Allow us to have implementation that we will have it, it done through our action. Let us reciprocate your word through our actions, God, and allow us to just implement, just implementation, implementation. We are doers. Allow us to be doers of your word, God, and not just hearers. Let us be doers of your word. Keep your word hidden in us, God. In Jesus' name. So we plead the blood of Jesus over, over our heart, over your word, God. And we just ask that you just keep your word hidden in our heart, Lord. And allow us to please, God. Allow us to desire more of you. God, shift our desires. Don't let us just be clothed with the knowledge of good and evil, but God, and when we were baptized with you, God, you clothed us with you through your blood, God. So clothe us. Continue to keep us clothed with your blood, God. Allow the Holy Spirit to dominate our flesh, God. We we submit our will to you, God. You say as we you said it, submit yourselves unto the Lord, and the devil shall flee. No, resist yourself unto the Lord, resist the devil, and he shall flee. So, God, we are submitting ourselves to you. We are submitting our will to you, our desires, God, our our purpose. We're giving you everything to so everything to you, God, so that you can help us. 
be doers of your word and not just hearers, God. We thank you, God. We ask that you just remove every single person, every negative. Just, God, we ask that you will protect us from evil and wickedness, God. We ask that you will allow us to prevail and triumph over our enemies, God. We thank you right now in advance that your plan, will, and purpose will be fulfilled, God. We thank you that we're moving from glory to glory to glory and from breakthrough to breakthrough, breakthrough. God, we thank you, God, in advance, Lord. We lay every burden concern at your throne of grace and we leave it there, God, because we trust you. Thank you for being trustworthy, Lord. So we ask that you just reshape the things that has been broken and shattered in our lives, in our hearts, in our soul, in our minds, God. And we ask that you just reshape those things and provide us with healing, sanctification, purify us, God spiritually refine us the way we need to be so we walk in victory and not as victims lord and we thank you god we thank you so much that our hearts will desire you and we will continue to be inspired and encouraged by you god we thank you that you fill us with your holy spirit and we dominate every spirit in this world through the power of your holy spirit with boldness god thank you for boldness Thank you, God. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. So I